Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Frugal Snobs podcast, the award-winning on-demand audio experience that has never won an award, but that could all change. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music, or check us out on Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. Find out more by visiting frugalsnobs.com. While you're there, be sure to help out the project by taking the Podtracks survey, directly donating via PayPal, or by doing your Amazon shopping through the Frugal Snobs associate link. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter at Frugal Snobs or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Frugal Snobs. And now, on to the episode. Hey everybody, this is Justin from FrugalSnobs.com. Welcome to episode 94 of the Frugal Snobs podcast. I brought Priscilla with me, say hello. Hello! So this is going to be a new old money episode. Because we received a lot of, well, new old bills. Because we went shopping. We went shopping. That's right. <laughs> we have not been uh, billing or banknote hunting. I like the term for coins better, coining. Yes. It's like queening or kinging if you're a monarch, which we'll talk more about that because we got reviews on the show. So <laughs> anyway, folks, so we went shopping for uh, some new bills and we also have some new updates to talk about a few free products that we received. Had a little bit of a rant against net spend. And uh, some other stuff to talk about this week. So, how's it going? It's going pretty good. It's going. All right, folks. Today is Sunday, uh, April 23rd, 2017. So, we've been gone a couple of weeks, but we've been busy getting other things done and also setting up some new stuff for everyone's listening, viewing pleasure. So, we'll get to that as well. But we also wanted to take the time to go out and go shopping for bills. So, we did take that week off so that we could acquire our latest, newest finds, geek out over those a little bit, do some research for you guys. And uh, also bring together some notes, etc., to talk about. But also enhance your YouTube watching experience. Yes, that is true. So instead of, you know, again, cat videos. Well, they're still cat videos, but you get more detail. Another haberdashery. And yes, you're right. They are a, an, altern- a t- an alternative cat video. They're, it's a better iteration for what we need to do. Yes, so um, let's go and just get into that. We'll talk about the YouTube experience, and then we'll go down the the notes that we have for this week. So... Christina kind of let the cat out of the bag, no pun intended, <laughs> but we are basically under a, um, a set of self-imposed stresses uh, to basically enhance the, our YouTube channel for the Fruitful Snobs. So if you haven't subscribed, go out there and subscribe. It's definitely going to be a new experience for everybody. Uh, Christina was kind enough to put together some new imagery uh, for the Fruitful Snobs, a new iteration, new branding for us for YouTube. So what you're going to find out there at this point are currency review videos. So... We also have at the tail end of the episode a couple uh, snippets, so to speak, from a couple of the videos that we put out. We started putting out uh, new videos, uh, including, I think, three videos up to this point over the last couple of weeks, and we'll yes. be adding more. So you'll also be able to find at FrugalSnobs.com a new widget on the sidebar of the website on the right where you can actually view all the videos from our channel. So hopefully it's a little bit easier for everybody to view the videos. For It's the all in one place. That's right. So... Um, I know that in the past we've talked about a lot of our currency finds and kind of geeked out and given some history, but the hardest part with that is if it's a podcast, all you can do is hear it, right? And that means you have to go out and do all of your own research to to see what we're talking about. In this case, now that we have uh, the enhanced experience everybody for everybody on YouTube, you can now actually go see what we're talking about. And you also have videos to give you some context, etc. And if you're actually a numismatist, if you're going to go out there and start looking for coins and banknotes, you'll at least have... Uh, some intriguing videos to use as a guide. Is that fair? Yes. All right. So get out there and subscribe, folks. Go to frugalsnobs.com. Subscribe both to the Frugal Snobs as well as to the YouTube channel. 
And of course, if you haven't done so already, get out there and subscribe to the podcast. So you can find it throughout the web. Again, go to foolsnobs.com if you haven't already. Register, sign up, subscribe. Subscribe by email if you'd like to receive emails for every time we drop an episode of this show. It's definitely worth it to everybody. And you are the smartest listeners in the podcasting universe. So, let's go ahead and get into it. How you doing? Doing good. All right, so we talked about the YouTube experience. Yes. So we also have some freebies this week. Yes, we had actually a decent raid, shall I say, of the freebies, considering it was double digits in <coughs> savings. That's right. So, very interesting. Also, we have a product review this week, too. Yes. So, a lot of freebies. Um, you cashed in, also from Monopoly Pieces, at our local Safeway grocery store. Yes. So, you had a lot of pieces to go through. I think you still have to go through a bunch of them. Yes. But we are up to, I believe, roughly 20 almost $25 in Fandango credits. Yes. Right? You picked up some free bananas today. Yes. Right? We had a free bagel. Yes. Which I'll be enjoying for breakfast tomorrow morning. <laughs> um, and let's see, what else did what else did you pick up? We You picked up, I think um, you were attempting to pick up a bottle of free aspirin, but they were out of stock. Yes, but that is a $5.29 value. That's right. Also, at our local Harris Teeter, we picked up Swedish fish! Yes, two bags! That's right, two bags of Swedish fish, and yeah. there were $2.50 a bag, so it's five bucks there. Yes. Five dollars there, so... Altogether, folks, uh, long short, I think we picked up nearly twenty dollars. It was about sixteen because we also got the carrots and salad. And... That's true. A bag of salad, bag of iceberg lettuce, and also a bag of baby carrots. So okay, sixteen dollars. Still good. Yeah, as still I said, double good. digits. It's still really good savings. But we also have to add in the, the the freebies like the bagel. Did we add the bagel? Yes. Okay, so adding everything, it was sixteen dollars. Yes. Free stuff. So I'll also be taking the, a bag of Swedish fish to the office tomorrow. People partake. Come walk around with my bowl of fish. Fish, fish, fish. Anybody want to fish? Sorry, I so, don't have chips. That's right. No chips. So those little little round ovals of uh, potato are amazing, though. Anyway, and they're the diff- they're different from traditional potato chips. They're, those would be called crisps. <laughs> so, all right. So those are the freebies this week. We talked about YouTube. What else is on the list of items? We have the Honey app, which is, works for Amazon. Yes, so Christina, you found this this app called Honey, and I think I've heard about it a little bit uh, with podcasts and whatnot, but can you explain what this Honey app does? It helps you save money. Okay, and is it an, is it an add-on to, to Chrome? Yes. Or is it a mobile app purely? It is an add-on to the Chrome browser, and what it does is it actually searches Amazon for you mm-hmm. to give you the best possible pricing, including shipping out the door for whatever item you're looking for. So if I wanted K-Cups for my Keurig 2.0 machine, yes, we could basically go look and poof! By quantity. Well, actually, what you would do is you would search Amazon, mm-hmm. click on an option, mm-hmm. and then you see the little honey icon. Ah, got it. And the other cool part is um, not only does it work for Amazon, but what it does for other sites, mm-hmm. it tries various promotional codes that are out there, and it stores them for you, so you don't have to go searching for all the promotion codes. Nice, so you don't have to go to, like, Retail Me Not or any yeah. place like that. Yeah, all built in. It, does, it runs everything for you. That's nice. What I'm, what I'm interested in, though, is, and we haven't really... Uh, talked about this much on the show because the intro does it for us, um, but the Amazon associate link we have at frugalsnobs.com, I'm wondering if it'll work on that. If I search for a product using that, I'm wondering about that. We should check that out. We should. So, yeah, because if you search for a product on the widget on at frugalsnobs.com using our associate link, if, is it possible for us to select the product you're taking to the Amazon landing page, and is there, for the product at least, and is there a honey icon when you take that approach? It would be interesting, and it, we should probably test it in Chrome. Uh, obviously, since it's a Chrome add-on. Yes. So we should probably test it in Chrome. It might be Chrome exclusive for that capability, obviously, at least to integrate with the associate link. But we'll check that out for everybody. Um, not only does it help us, but it helps you at the same time. So I think we should research that. We should make a note yes. to research that. 
Um, so we'll get back to everybody with, with more on the Honey extension, I should say, the Honey app. But it's at for... least saving you money. Oh, absolutely, and we'll be using it ourselves. So. And then um, one other fact about that is um, when, with uh, the price tracking, besides finding you the best deal, mm-hmm. it also shows you the pricing trends of that item. Right, so if they go up, go down, stay, stay basically beta or standard, right? Yes, yeah, so if you know it's actually <coughs> on a reduced price, you click on... The best deal icon for the honey, mm-hmm. and it'll actually pop up a graph of how the price has fluctuated over the past 60 days. Interesting. Interesting. So, I mean, purchasing has come so far. I mean, this is why we, we do what we do at the Frugal Snobs, honestly. I mean, I found, and maybe you can agree with this, and maybe our folks in our listening audience may agree or disagree, but what at least my observation has been is that essentially people are still buying things the way that it's been done for years rather than being smart and using the technology they have at their fingertips. I mean, and I know... That obviously tech has integrated itself in our lives, I mean, more so in the last 10 years than any time before. But e-commerce now is so more sophisticated than even it was then, but people still form habits, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, are you going to go to a dealership to buy a car or are you going to use True Car? Which, again, is not a sponsor of the show, folks. But, but it's just giving it an example. Exactly. I mean, it, I think that if people took the time and put in the energy and formed new habits, their lives would be a lot better. Mm-hmm. So it's just finding these these apps and, and these different experiences, and that's why we do what we do at the Frugal Snobs. I mean, it's not just for us. We have a lot of fun just running our mouths every week or every other week, but we do a lot of things in between to help create content that's useful for everyone else. Is that fair? Very. All right. So we talked about Honey. We talked about YouTube. We talked about freebies. What else you got? We have to give a big shout out and thank you to Mixcloud.com. That's right. Mixcloud now is carrying the Frugal Snobs podcast, so along with every other outlet. Online, and we'll be updating the list of networks at frugalsnobs.com, folks. Mixcloud now uh, provides access to the Frugal Snobs podcast. All right. What's next? Your little rant about your car, the oh, net friend. yeah, okay. So, <laughs> here we go. All right, that should go on the list. It should. Uh, it should. Okay. So, I know that there's a number of these trends toward prepaid cards and also preloaded, uh, basically, cash cards or, or, or credit-like cards or debit-like cards. So... We received this week in the mail a net spend card. And again, for certain people, I think this might be an option, but it's very deceptive, I mean, at least in my opinion, in the advertising. So they send you the card. It, you're encouraged to activate the card, but it's essentially a card made for people who cannot have traditional banking accounts. And you basically are almost, in a way, somewhat coaxed into activating it like an actual credit card, but then you have to fund it. So it's, it doesn't make sense, and I'm sure there's a, a lot of fees that go along with it. I just didn't appreciate the, the marketing around it. It was very uh, intrusive. Yes, it was, because I did not ask for this. And they just sent it to you. And it's deceptive in that it, it... It's an actual card. Exactly. It's a facade of an actual credit card that you are expected and encouraged to activate with respect to you didn't even apply for it. And on top of that, you're wondering... I mean, I understand your financial data, let's be honest, everybody, is out there for the public to see. But you wonder who sold that data to a company that would then, of course, send you all of this, um, how do I put it, uh, deceptive or intrusive advertising. And that, that, that in and of itself becomes really offensive to me. So a little rant against NetSpend. I'm sorry, NetSpend, but I'm just saying, I mean, I think it's a great option for certain people. I'm not burying NetSpend, so to speak. But I think for me, it just was not a good option. And quite frankly, I didn't appreciate the intrusiveness and quite frankly, I think that it makes you wonder, again, about data security, cybersecurity, and your online footprint. It does, especially if it's a financial footprint. And I think in a future episode, I think we should talk about that more, how to protect your, your financial footprint, um, how to also watch your money, how to, how to use apps 
we've talked about Mint and uh, personal capital before, but I think that we should have uh, an episode more dedicated to watching your financial footprint and, and being smart with uh, uh, understanding how much of your data is really out there. Exactly, and I know Discover has some built-in <clears throat> stuff just in case you lose your card, which I, is really, really nice. I think most credit card companies do. The um, instant freeze and unfreeze. Mm. That's what Discover has on their cards. So do you have to call in or do you just use a mobile app, mobile to, app. to just freeze it? Yes. So what if you accidentally mistap and freeze it? Can you unfreeze it? Instantly. Okay. So it's kind of like the Find My Card, kind of like the, for the Find My iPhone or Android device manager, yes. just the equivalent to a credit card. Yes, it locks so no one can actually use your card until you unfreeze the card. I also want to see more. I mean, you see more chip technology in credit cards as well, but I want to see... I'm not really sure how effective that is um, in terms of... You know, with chips and whatnot in a, in a card, and since I work in smart cards, I, I kind of can say something about this <laughs> uh, in a different capacity, though. Um, but we do, at least at the company that I work for, we, we do chip credit cards in Europe. Um, it's one of our lines of business. But I'm also wondering about what about PIN prompting and, and PIN entry? So if I want to use the card, I mean, how many layers of security really are there, especially if you use it as a credit card? Now, if you use it as a debit, I can see that, right? You insert the card into a machine. It prompts you for a PIN to unlock access to the card. Yes. Right? But you're also thinking, well, what about what about the other biometric features? Like, is there a thumbprint scan or something of that sort? That would actually be kind of really nice to go to the store, just punch your pen, and then put your thumbprint. Because think about it this way. What if somebody stole your card and stole your pen? Then you're in trouble. I, and I've also noticed this. If you ever use a credit card, like at a gas pump or things like that, think about that. I mean, there's no swipe of a driver's license. There's no ID check. There used to be. And, and there still is to a point, like, for example, grocery shopping and things like that. They may ask you for an ID. But typically on the back of most of my credit cards... I always instead of signing it, say CID. Yeah, I always write CID. Well, at least with the at least at the pumps right now, if you use a debit, yeah, you put your pin in. But then if it's a credit card, they ask you for your billing zip code. Ah, uh, well, that's that's one thing. I still think you need another factor of authentication, though. Yeah, especially if someone would have your PI, your personal information. Right, your PII. So yes. I mean, I think a thumbprint might be better, and it's not difficult to store biometric data on a credit card. It's not. It's just a container on the actual physical card. If they can do it on an ID, they can do it on a credit card. Absolutely, they can. It's, it's just a it's just a smart card. So there's a container on in the data model for the card. I don't want to get too technical, but that will keep the biometric data. So and that biometric data can be updated over time. So if you have a a card that's renewed, um, you know, again, that biometric container can be refilled, or the legacy fingerprint or retinal scan can be pulled from like an escrow. Um, uh, an escrow location and then inject it onto the card. But the, uh, now the fingerprint, obviously, your fingerprints can last forever, right? Um, so it's not like there's a timetable on um, a yeah. fingerprint. Now, like an image, uh, yeah, like a facial recognition image, yeah, your face will change, especially with things like, and I don't want to sound rude, but if somebody has cosmetic surgery um, or if you get, get a haircut, I mean, e even that exposes more of the face, right? Or, the forehead, the nose. Or even if the, like, as ladies like to do, get the eyebrows threaded or thin, then that, that changes it too. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there are obviously certain points of recognition on the face. Distance between the eyes is one. Um, nose shape is definitely another because it's very unique. But yeah, your, uh, your ears and your nose never stop growing. True, but the general shape of the nose is unique, right? Yes. Same thing with your ears. The, the ears are, have a, your, everyone's ears have a very unique shape um, or a more unique shape. So it might be a filtering exercise of, okay, forehead matches, distance between eyes matches, uh, ears, again, with some degree of uniqueness, not a full match, uh, also funnel the data map, and then, okay, let's, as a final check, let's check the shape of the chin, and let's check the thumbprint. And the reason for the thumbprint, obviously, it's the widest print, mm -hmm. right? So, um, 
you know, that obviously would probably be a nice match. Um, and again, I don't want to talk about anything proprietary or anything like that, but obviously there are methods for doing this. My company also uh, has its own proprietary method of doing this, and I can't obviously talk about that. Uh, one, because I'm not, I'm not educated enough on that method since it's not where I work in the company, uh, but I do know that there are proprietary methods that different vendors use to, to basically um, perform the biometric check, so for an ID match. Um, they're also doing it now more for online voting, um, you know, again, online voting is more prevalent, especially in places like the Philippines, Singapore, etc. So now they're doing more work with thumbprint scanning when you cast your ballot, yes. when you vote. So, all right, I don't want to get too far off of off of track there, but um, that, for thought. that's the net spend issue that we had to talk about. So what else we got? We're down to our bills. What about the, the product review for the Little Caesar Smokehouse Pizza? Ah, that. That's right. You couldn't have this, and you had to get yourself a $5 hot and ready cheese pizza. But I'm sorry, I do not like pork. Well, it's also chewy. Yes. So I'll get to that here in just a second. So, yes, we had to try it, folks. One of those other disgusting items we see on a fast food menu that we have to try. Now, we've tried the Whopperito, right? Yes. We've tried the Mac and Cheetos. Yes. We've tried, I believe, the Jalapeno Chicken Fries from Burger King. We did? I think we did. No, we did regular. I asked you if those. Oh, I, th- I thought we they did. They still have them, though. That's, oh, a, okay. that's, well, that's not a regular staple. Fine. I, we'll put it on the list. I thought we did. Oh, we did the, the Cheeto-injected yes. chicken fries. That's what yes. we did. Okay. So, now I did the Jalapeno. Because it was the, uh, the mac and cheeto cheese on the chicken fries. That's right. And they were okay. They tasted like a standard chicken fry to me, though. Yeah. All right. So, and again, we do keep ourselves in pretty decent shape here at the Triple Snobs, so we're not porking out on fast no, food all no. the time. No, And we do have a nice workout regimen. Yes, we do. But again, <clears throat> when we do sample any of this food, we do clean our systems out for a couple of days. Water. We get salt and things out of our bodies. But we did try it, folks, and you probably have seen some reviews online uh, for the Little Caesars... Smokehouse pizza. Now, this thing has, I believe, pulled pork, right? And apple wood smoked bacon on it. Yes. Ugh, along with cheese sauce. And there's a third meat that I think I'm forgetting. Brisket. Brisket, yes. Brisket. And the, um, with barbecue sauce, barbecue uh, sauce, as well as uh, herbs. Yes. <laughs> are baked into the crust of this pizza. So, all right, <clears throat> folks. So we tried it. Uh, Christina took a bite. Couldn't have it because of the, ch- the texture. Um, which left me to eat this thing. Um, I'll just say that I know a lot of people are, are raving about this, and again, it's nine dollars menu price, United States cost. We paid nine fifty for it. Um, I was very hungry yesterday, so I think I ate half. Yes, <laughs> the smokehouse pizza by myself. It was okay. I mean, I can't say that it was great. I can't say it was bad, but I will say the pulled pork was very chewy, very stringy, and pulled pork tends to be. I get that, but. On a pizza, I don't think mm. it just didn't work out as well. And there, it was clumped, right? It was chunks of pork. It wasn't distributed well, uh, at least on the pizza that we had. Um, we do have an image um, that we can put out. If images. People, images if people would like to see uh, the smokehouse pizza. Um, I would say uh, grease content, yeah, probably right around a, I'd say out of five stars in terms of the grease content, five being the worst, one being the least. It's probably around a three. Yeah. Say a three. Um, and again, that could have come from the cheese. It could have come from the meats. Um, but we did notice, just out of the box, your $5 hot and ready cheese pizza had a lot less grease on it. Oh, yeah. It had about a third of the grease. Right. And you would think with a, with a cheese pizza, because of the cheese, you yeah. have oils and grease in it. It wasn't and, greasy at all. Yep. And so, I mean, I would probably give this thing, um, and again, it didn't flex much. Uh, some of the pieces were a little more soggy than others, but it it is what it is, folks. I will say it, it turned out to be very chewy. Um, you definitely got protein out of it. I think your cheese pizza, even per slice, had 12 grams of protein. Yes. 
So I, I can't think of what this smokehouse pizza would have had since it has meats on it. Um, I would say on a five-star snob rating scale, I'd probably give it a three and a half, maybe a four if you're really hungry. But, I mean, I know folks are raving over this thing. It's okay. I mean, it, it would be a good pizza for college kids, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but if you wanted really good pizza, you're better off making it yourself. Yes. Speaking of which, we have a dough ball in the freezer. We need to use that. Yes. So, <laughs> so wasn't bad. I'd say three and a half, three point five, three point seven five stars, something like that. That is the Smokehouse Pizza from Little Caesars. I'm glad we we had. I had a couple slices for breakfast this morning. Also, I finished mine this morning. So I have a couple of slices left to take for lunch this week. Uh, it, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. Uh, wasn't bad, but it was a middle of the road pizza. I think it'd be great to have if you were really hungry and if you were drinking a couple of beers or something. I mean, nothing. Nothing fancy. I mean, don't get your hopes up for it. For nine bucks, it was it was worth nine bucks. Yes. Nine fifty with tax, carry out. Um, but I wouldn't. Uh, don't be deceived in thinking it's like the world's greatest pizza. I mean, you hear some of these reviews, and these people are going nuts over it. Now, also something else I wanted to talk about, which we're not reviewing because I don't think it's going to make it to the states. Christina, you found the cheesa. Yes, the from K- KFC. Yes, the KFC cheesa. Which can I go ahead and explain it? So you well, sure. But before you do, you you're getting your descriptions essentially from an Australian video. Right on YouTube? Yes, and I, I it's been verified because we actually watched someone create it. Right, so um, we watched it being created, but we also watched this Australian video. This guy basically, I think, bought one for $5.16 Australian, of course, by itself. And with a drink and fries, it was like seven fifty Australian. Yeah. So you're looking at probably somewhere between 5 and $7 US, maybe. Something like that, on the steep side. For this thing, if you're getting the meal by itself. But I think the individual... Uh, Cheesa is probably somewhere between three fifty and five bucks. Yeah, most likely. I mean, U.S. converted. So this thing, and go ahead. I mean, it, it, it basically is a chicken crust or a base. Yeah, I mean, according to the recipe that we watched, you butterfly the chicken, pound mm-hmm. it flat, mm-hmm. bread it, fry it, deep fry it. Oh, sorry, I'd air fry it though. Yes, that'd be a lot better. Mm-hmm. But then a layer of sauce, which ham, is a mar- marinara sauce, uh, ham. Which I, we could doctor it up and use marinara sauce and prosciutto ham. And then pineapple. Okay, you can't mozzarella. really, can't really, sorry, you can't really doctor that up. <laughs> mozzarella. Okay, we get some good buffalo mozzarella put on it. And then some nacho cheese sauce. That's nacho cheese, not my cheese either. So whose <laughs> cheese is it? I don't know. So <laughs> I think we could probably find some different cheese instead of that. Yeah. But I think if we made it ourselves, we could probably review it on the show, but also doctor it up, make it a five-star cheese um, A lot healthier, too. Yes, mm-hmm. deep fry. Yeah, I'll yeah. bake it. Yeah, this thing, I mean, this this Australian guy that, that did the video, the review video on YouTube, because we were out posting videos for Frugal Snubs, he was raving about this thing. He, I mean, he was he was basically, like, ooing and eyeing at it. I'm thinking, it, it's just a piece of chicken with junk on it. Yeah, I mean... I don't know how to say I, it other way, but it's junk. I know uh, chicken and pineapple go very well together, but it's but the cheese that has... Really, what you have, let's be honest, is nothing more than a breaded, a breaded and... Thinly fried chicken parmesan, really? Yes. Because you got the sauce in there, you got the cheese in there. Now, not both kinds of cheese, but a, a mozzarella cheese on top to bind the sauce to the chicken. But essentially, all you have is chicken parmesan with some extra bedazzlement. Exactly. Basically, I mean, I have pineapple right here. Do we throw that on with some chicken parmesan and baked up? <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> that it, it's basically the same thing with a little bit of razzle dazzle to it. Exactly. And these people are like raving over it. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna find some sort of food product that I'm just gonna take a piece of some sort of food product and just throw some junk on it. And basically what they did. It. Yep. I'm going to call it frugal food. That's what I'm going to call <laughs> it. You know, it's a line of products. Frugal food. 
Now, also, you also entered in some codes this week for your innovation. Yes. Right? So I think you have a free innovation coming. I have a BOGO, and the coupon should have been sent to my email address. Nice. Nice. Now, these things are pretty expensive by themselves, but they're good. They're not bad. Yeah. We had the orange chicken. We had the general zoes in the past. We had the fried rice. Not bad. Not bad. Fried rice actually has an egg in it, which is not bad. Right. Not bad. Speaking of which, we have some leftover fried rice. We need to make it into a meatloaf. Which we're going to do that. Ah, when are we going to do that today? Tonight. Tonight? All right. So you heard it here, folks. Food review. Christina said she was going to make a meatloaf as of today. <laughs> hey, you already okay. had my first one. Oh, your meatloaf was really good. That was a really, really good meatloaf. Um, and I think it would be really good with, if it had, like, maybe a side of potatoes, maybe some gravy. I know you don't eat potatoes, but for anybody out there that eats potatoes. They need to be cubed. All right, so basically. Not mashed or. Basically chunked and roasted, maybe. Yes. So not fried or fried. You could do fried. Like home fried potatoes. Yes. All right, so, hmm, not bad. So, yeah, we're having a meatloaf. And we have red potatoes. That's right, we do. we got to eat those red potatoes. we got a whole five-pound bag, folks, of red potatoes we have not eaten yet. Uh, but we need to get to those. And we also have some corned beef we got to eat, too. Yes. Ugh, we got a lot of food stuff we got to talk about on the show moving forward. Hey, we're giving people ideas. That's true. Very true. All right, so anything else on your list before we get to the bills? That's it that I can think of. All right, so let's finally get to the bills, folks. We have and a lot. Yes, we do. And before we, and before we get into the bills... Stick around um, after the episode. If you haven't seen the videos yet on YouTube, we are going to add the audio portions of our of some of our currency reviews to the end of the upcoming episodes of the Frugal Sounds podcast. So you have a couple of podcast extras in there as well. So if we reference anything in these extras where we talk about YouTube or things that we're expecting you to see, for example, we look at the front of the bill and also the back of the bill. If you can't see that, go watch the video. But at least we're going to give you the audio as a start, right? yes. as a teaser. So let's get into it. So do you want to start with a bill and you already want me to start with a bill? Um, I can actually do two at once if you'd like. Okay, so you have these Russian rubles, right? From yes. 1918? Eastern. The Eastern Serbian rubles. Yes. Excuse me. Because it's from 1918, which is the year after the fall of the... The Romanovs. Yes. That's right. The Tsar died, was overthrown, and the communists took over. So, you have these, these two notes. Now, what denominations are they? I have a 25 ruble, and I have a 100 ruble. And before you go any further, I just want to tell everybody, we will be getting a video out for this. Probably in the next week or so. Yes. So bear with us, folks. We're talking about it on the show, but you can watch the video. We'll probably get it out this week. And it's going to be a more detailed video. This is just a brief overview of what we got. Sure. So what do you have on your bills? Okay. On the first one, we have... Which uh, is the first one? Is it 25? Yes. It's okay. um, it's a blue and green bill with a little bit of uh, with black on it. Mm-hmm. And it's very intricate patterns, but in there's... Uh, 25s all the whole way around the bill, like they do with the Canadian currency. Right, so it's kind of like, and I have a Canadian too, we're going to talk about as well, but you have little 25s all the way around the bill? Yeah, the whole border is 25 plus. There's a medium sized 25 in each corner, and then two larger 25s, one on each side of the main picture. All on the front of the bill? Yes! Wow, that's a lot of 25s that are just on the front of a bill. And it, it does the same thing with my 100 ruble too. So, who's on this bill? For the or 20, what is on this bill? Sorry. For the twenty-five ruble note, mm-hmm. it's Enyo, which is the Greek god of uh, goddess of war and companion of Mars Ares or Mars. You know? Yes, mm-hmm. and because you can see the helmet, the shield, but in the background, there's also ships, trains, and like the almost like a Capitol building. Interesting, domed Capitol building. Yes, interesting. So it's probably some sort of uh, Russian building of significance. And then on the one hundred note. It has the hundreds all around. Yep. The medium hundreds in the corner. Yep. Two large one hundreds on either w- side of the middle. And then a, um, on top of those, a hundred and below a hundred. So there's actually ten larger one hundred 
uh, markings on it. Right, and taking at, and that's just for visible hundreds versus the border hundreds. Correct. So there could be more. There could be like 30, 40, 50, 70, 80, 100. Yeah, depending hundreds. on how, because there's a lot of 100s on here. So it's basically 100101. It looks like binary code. Yes. Like, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you trying to program here? That's right. What are you trying to tell me? But um, in the center, it has a picture of Ceres, which is the goddess of agriculture. Which we'll get to Ceres here in a second as well. And she's holding a... Uh, handful of wheat and a sickle in the, in her hand mm -hmm. and she has a lot of agricultural goods all around her from grapes to gourds to a basket of fruit and vegetables hold that bill aside because because we'll go through the canadian too here from 1937 in a second i want to compare that that bill representation with the canadian too so hold totally different from what i've seen okay but we'll compare them so yes. hold that bill what else you got? I mean, in terms of the, the Serbian notes or the russian ruble notes i'll say on the back they're similar so just going over the back of them mm -hmm. They have the double-headed eagle with a like a capital building underneath. Same building as the front of the 25 room? I cannot or? tell. Okay, so a, a building of some sort. Yes. And then on each side of that double-headed eagle is the actual denomination mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the denomination in each corner with the denomination bordering the bill. Ah. So gotcha. that is what is on the, uh, the reverse side of each of those bills. Okay. So, is that your bill? My bills. Okay, so that's the first of your bills. Yes, the two. Since they're very similar, we might as well go over both at the same time. So can I do the Canadian two now? Yes. Okay, so folks, Christina <laughs> got this bill before me. Her 1937 first Canadian bill was a two. And she knew. <laughs> no, don't laugh at me. Don't, don't laugh at me. She got this bill. So I needed a $2 bill from 1937 to go along with my $10 1937 note, which is of purple uh, accents. And the $1.1937 bill, which is a, essentially a green bill. Yes. Multiple versions of green. So she gets this bill. She's thinking, I got a 1937 bill. It's my first one. And she opens up the envelope. I remember this distinctly. It was only a week ago. So she opens up the envelope. <laughs> you better remember right? this. See, th this is why we go away for a couple weeks. Just because of all these stories. Because so, this stuff's too stupid to make up. So <laughs> it's too stupid to make up. So Agreed. she opens the envelope. And she pulls out the bill. and thinking, oh, she got a Canadian one. Good for her. No, it's a Canadian two. It's the bill I needed to also help complete the series. So now I, because I threw a, basically a tantrum, <laughs> I threw a frugal tantrum, I threw a frugal fit. So, so I wanted one too. So Christina went out, and your bill is a better condition than mine, but you did find me uh, for, for, I believe, $10 or roughly $10, a 1937 Canadian $2 bill, King George's VI, on the front side of the note, as with the other bills of the series, centered in his military uniform, and it's, it is a dual-language bill. So Bank of Canada uh, to the left, Bank du Canada to the right, and un dollar to the right, and one dollar to the left. So you'll see it's a dual language note. On the back, it's very similar to the other Canadian notes from 1937 in terms of the pattern. On the front side, you'll see the border of twos. You'll see it also with the Canadian 37 series notes. You'll see the denomination all the way around the bill, as Christina was saying with her ruble notes. So very similar. You'll see very predominant twos on the back of the note, along with... Series. Yes. And with this series, just looking at it... That, that's your series in the ruble note. Yes. Okay, because I was talking about the series in the Canadian note. So what about the ruble series? If you actually compare series to series, they both look... Somewhat... I'll hold this up for you so you can see it. I'm, I actually have it in my hand. Oh, I thought, I thought oh, you took it. <laughs> I have a pile of, of notes in front of me, folks. So I, was gonna, I went to go grab it to, to pick it up. She grabbed it. But comparing them side by side, they both look like a very docile series. They're both holding a sickle. And it's really just the position on how they're sitting. One is looking straight at you while the other one's looking off into the distance. But the facial features are the same. Similar, uh, but not quite the, the same. The sickles are, are again, probably uh, slightly different. 
Actually, they're very um, similar. Yeah, actually. So, and, and again, on your Ribble notes, you have holding wheat. What about on the Canadian notice? Is, she's not spell? holding anything. She's actually propped up against, like, her her hand's propping her up. Ah, so something else to talk about with the 37 notes, folks, is that they're all allegory-based. So, for example, with the Canadian 10 uh, dollar bill on, on the reverse side of the note, you have Mercury, who Christina was kind enough to tell me represents speed. So <laughs> the allegory on the $10 Canadian note is for modern inventions. You'll see planes... Uh, trains and ships. Uh, on the $2 note, however, it's agriculture. It's yes. Allegory. And uh, on the Canadian tube, there's actually two cornucopias on it. Ah. Interesting. So There's no cornucopias on your Russian note, or is there? No, there's a basket. Ah, basket. A basket. <laughs> All right. So that is the Canadian tube from 1937. So, yes. Tantrum. And I got one. Yes. Lesson in life. Throw tantrums. I'm joking. <laughs> so. All right. So... You can what only is... get away with that so often. Hold on one second. I've got to take a sip of this Honduran free... fair trade, not free trade, fair trade coffee, which I'll talk about also at the tail end of the episode. I'll review it because it's the first time I've had it on the, on the podcast. So I'll take a sip of coffee. What's your next bill? My next bill is the Bank of England 10 shilling note from 1966. Ah! This is the. Um, I was just going to just give a little pop to it because it's going to be at the end of this podcast because I... we did the YouTube video for it. Right, I thought it was 63. It was 63. Yes. You said 66. It's 63, 266. Ah, Sorry. Okay. okay, so this is the 10 shilling note, and I didn't do my Vince Fox impersonation. So can, can I do it here? Yes. Okay. So what we got... Hey, and if, by the way, folks, if you've not seen the miniseries Mongrels... <laughs> you said go right into the character. If you have not seen the miniseries Mongrels on Hulu, I think you have to have a Hulu Plus account, um, definitely check it out. It's hilarious. It is a, it is a British uh, miniseries. It, viewer discretion is advised. Um, it's not made for the entire family, but it is a hilarious show. One of the characters on the show is a, and it's a, it's more of a Muppet-oriented, animated, semi-animated Muppet-style puppet-oriented show. But one of the the Muppets, I should say, it's not really animated; it's Muppets. But one of the the puppets or Muppets on this show is a fox named Vincent. He was a very rough and tough fox that lives outside of a pub in London. <laughs> so, and he has a voice like this. So, what I'm going to do is my Vincent Fox impression to describe at least. This note, and I'll let Christina fill in the okay the, the 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 integral parts of the note. So what we got here is a ten shilling note from nineteen sixty three to sixty six, and you'll notice on the note is a prominent image of Queen Elizabeth the second, a young version before she was old and wrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. All right, I'm done with Vince. So All right, go ahead and describe I, your note. Well, as I said, I was just going to give a brief highlight. We're going to let our uh, Extra, describe it because we already turned it into a YouTube video. Yes, so being serious here for a moment, what, uh, <laughs> and for a very brief moment, might I add, what, what do you have on this bill? Um, it's just Queen Elizabeth on the front, a small Britannia um, sitting behind the T for the 10 shilling. Mm -hmm. On the reverse side, it's a larger, same image of Britannia that says Bank of England and then 10 shilling underneath it. Right, so this is actually the equivalent of, I would assume, a half pound. Yes, because there is 10 shillings in a pound. Right. Actually, a half pound. There's 20 shillings in a yes. pound. Right, so this is a half pound. Um, typically, a shilling has, has, is equivocating to one twentieth or 12 pence, depending on the type of shilling. In this case, we're assuming, since it is a British shilling note, that it is, in fact, uh, one twentieth uh, of a... <coughs> excuse me. One twentieth of a, a pound, so per shilling. So we're assuming 10 twentieths, one half. So it's essentially a half pound note. Yes. Basically. So a little quick math there. That is the, anything else you want to say about this bill? That's all. We're, I'm keeping it short, short, sweet to the point because 
just stay tuned and you'll hear the whole YouTube recording. That's right, and that's minus my Vince Fox impersonation, which I yes. did not put on the YouTube video. All right, so next bill. That's bill up. Yes, this is your 50 million mark. 1923 German 50 million mark note. This is a hyperinflation note, folks. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Uh, the reverse side of the note is blank. Um, not much to describe. Yeah, first get again. It's a hyperinflation note, right? So they printed a ton of them. It's uncirculated as well. Yes. So again, 1923 was an inflationary hyperinflation year in Germany. We've already talked about this a little bit. I got to slow my voice now. I'm talking really fast. It must be the coffee. So I'll slow down a little bit. Uh, the 1923 50 million mark note. There is no back to this bill. They were printed in droves. We talked about this with a 200 mark coin um, that we talked about in an earlier episode of the podcast when we were getting into coining and uh, bill collecting on a, a, a more aggressive scale. Um, but again, hyperinflation, it would take you a trunk of these to buy a loaf of bread or a cup of coffee. And again, it's Honduran coffee that made it. Um, I'll talk about that. But nothing much to describe. What do you see on the front side of the note? It's very, very plain. I mean... Again, they're printing these in droves. They have the German eagle seal on it twice. So two German, the traditional German eagle. You'll see that also on the on the coinage for the same year. And there's no actual image of anything. It's just text. So basically, it's all just a you know here's a worthless banknote. Um, again, I believe if my math, thank you, uh, Christina just put it down in front of me. Um, I believe if my math is correct, prices doubled at that time in 1923 every two and a half days. Right. So um, it, it, tough. It's a tough time. So a trunk load of these. I mean, think about it. Your entire life savings could be wiped out just by inflation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it took a trunk of these things to buy a loaf of bread. It's ridiculous. And there were no supplies. And in fact, before we get to the next note, I'm not going to believe at the point, but at that time in Germany, it was better for people to barter in goods than money. Right? Wheat, there was more value. Well, of course. Wheat, coal, uh, things that you needed to live. Fruit, vegetables. I mean, people were better off bartering in goods than in money at that time. But I had to get one of these notes just because... It also matches my other hyperinflation notes, the 10 trillion Zimbabwe dollar note, for example, and the Serbian or the Yugoslavian hyperinflation note, the dinar note. So I wanted to get this, this note to also kind of complete that traditional trifecta. So your next note. Is my, um, trying to find the year on this one, but it is, I think it is the, it's a, the 1966 Bank of England one pound note. I see. And is this a military service note or is it No, just it's a... not. It's an actual Bank of England note. I see. And what prompted you to buy this note? I'm just curious. Um, I've always been like into the British currency because they have some really cool Are designs. Are you an Anglophile? You like the Brits? Yes. Yes, you're an Anglophile. It's part of my heritage, thank you. Well, mine too. I mean, with our last names, we scream British. <laughs> we're like we're like pale as all, all get out, so we're we're definitely Northern European. So yes, all right. So let me describe this. I mean, I actually just found a really cool watermark that I didn't know about before. In a way, it's a form of their um, security any counterfeiting. Yes. And before you get to that, um, also if you guys check out the the shilling audio at the end of this episode, Christina will talk about some other cool watermarks in the ten shilling note. So, including a face of Britannia in the note. So that has th this is actually a hidden face of Britannia that I just found. Really? Yes. Um, just describing the front, it looks like uh, Britannia is pictured on the left side with a crown above her, mm -hmm. but she's not actually wearing the crown. It's, it's kind of like in a the halo? frame, kind of like a halo or no, a crown it, or what? It's, there's a frame around the image of Britannia, and on top of that frame is the crown. Ah. Uh, and then on the other side, it says one pound. Ah. Uh, 
<laughs> and then as you hold the note up to the light. Mm-hmm. And you're holding it up to natural sunlight, right? You see Britannia's head in a plain oval, like it's a rippled oval. Mm-hmm. But you don't see it unless you hold it to the light. Right, so it's an anti-counterfeit anti- measure. Right? And the best part is you can see it on the uh, reverse side because, again, you think it's just a plain opening that they just left there, didn't fill, but it's actually Britannia showing through. Mm. And it's really, really cool. <laughs> on the back, it fades from blue to green to pink to green to blue again. Buckingham Palace on top. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there is a warrior on both sides in his little medallion slaying a dragon. That's, that's like a cool note. All you need now is a unicorn and a rainbow. <laughs> I probably should get the Starbucks unicorn frappuccino. I'm a little leery on it because it tastes like mango and has 76 grams of sugar. Mangoes are amazing. And by the way... If remi- they're done right. Yes, but remind me also at a certain point on this podcast, I want to put out a recipe, a, a verbal recipe maybe in the summer, for mango daiquiris. Ugh, amazing. We need to have them. Yes, we do. So we got to get some fresh mango. Yes. So, all right, that is your note. Now, I have this cologne note in front of me. Yes, so I won't give a lot of detail here. You'll catch it on the, the back end of the podcast if you stick around, folks, for the podcast extra. But we did both pick up, Christine and I both picked up a 1917 One Cologne note from Costa Rica. Really cool note. Very um, colorful. Yes. A very colorful note. Um, again, it has El, the, the figurehead at the time, also noted as El Presidente. Yes. Um, and it is the One Cologne note. Um, so I'm not going to give a lot of detail here. Check it out in the tail end of the podcast and the podcast extra. Are we good with that or do you yes. need a more detail? Let, let them wait. <laughs> That's right. It's the anticipation That's of making it better. you got to stick around to the end of the episode, Or folks. check it out on YouTube. That's right. Check out the video. Go to frugalsnobs.com and subscribe while you're there. All right. What's your next bill? All right. While well, I'm on the uh, British chair, I'm going to do my last British note, which is the Armed Forces note yep. from 1948. Okay. And that one is different than the first one I got. The first one I got... You have the Suez, the Suez Canal crisis yeah. note, And right? that's from 1956. Yep. This one is from 1948. Mm. Um, the Suez Canal one is purple, maroon, and pink. This is maroon, red, and blue. Ah. So, I mean, there's definitely... Looking at it, there's a massive distinction, total redesign on it. Going from one to another. It's it's a plain note, but there's some interesting text about only being, av- only oh, being yes. available to be used in a cantina. Or a canteen, I should say. Yes. Do you want me to read that? Sure. Go ahead and read your text. This note is valid only for transactions within official canteens in organizations laid down in GROs of theater of the theater, except as may be expressly provided in GROs. It must in no circumstances be offered to any person who is not entitled to use British service canteens. Improper use of this note is a disciplinary offense. And may render the offender liable to penalties. That's such a British way to put it. You're going to get in trouble if you don't follow rules. Basically. All right. And I'm assuming GRO is probably general rules of operation. Yes. Most likely. I'm assuming that. Um, but let's take a break here since you're doing your last British note. You want to talk about the crown? Yes. Let's take a break from our notes for a minute. We'll get back into the notes here in a second finish that out and then wrap up the episode. But, again, I mentioned it, folks, at the top end of the podcast that we've been watching some more shows. So we decided to pick up a Netflix original that Christina didn't tell me she was watching, and you probably did, and I didn't pay attention. I did tell you before we shifted to the new studio. I always, I always listen to you. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, a Netflix original called The Crown. Yes. Ten episodes we've seen so far. There's supposedly going to be another season, Christina found out, hopefully later this year. It's supposedly coming from what I found in November of 2017. It's going to focus more on Prince Charles. And Philip. But, but... The season that we saw thus far begins with the death 
of King George VI. Yes. And the ascension of Elizabeth II to the throne walks through several points in the, the early years of her reign. Winston Churchill, who is one of my favorite orators of all time, is also prominent in uh, the, the miniseries, so to speak. It goes through part of the end of his reign, his stroke, and also his resignation as prime minister. It also ends uh, with an interesting uh, ending in which, of course, Princess Margaret decides not to become married. So At least to Peter. Yes, at least to Peter. So, And again, go check out the show if you haven't already, folks, on Netflix. It's called The Crown. Uh, it's interesting, and the reason why it's interesting more to us, not, not just because we're, we're Anglophiles, so to speak, but it also aligns itself with our currency finds as well. Yes. So we can compare the story, the history, the, the dramatization with what you see represented in actual life. At the time. Yes. That's why we also collect money, um, is that people don't appreciate the art form of currency and see your history in real life. Yes. Right? So you don't see it in real life, and you should, and you can see it more in older money. Now, our money is now mass-produced. That's kind of a shame. Yes. But, you know, what can I say? So, all right, that is The Crown. Go check it out on Netflix, folks. And it's only ten episodes. That's right. And they're so, about an hour apiece. So let's go do our next bill. The next bill is... The, Christina bill. Is the 1917 five mark. Ah, from Germany. Yes, so Berlin. This is a World War One note, folks. Yes. Had to get this. It was printed August 1st, from what I can uh, translate here. August 1st, 1917? Yes. And what is on the front and reverse sides of this note? We have not done videos yet, folks, but we will for you Yes. Uh, um... Well, this one has a lot of fives on it. You don't really see it that much. If you're looking to get a magnifying glass, then we might actually do that for the pot, for the actual YouTube video. I think we should. And there's a lot of fives on uh, whenever it says, Darl Schaffenschein. <laughs> you don't speak German. No, my dad does. I don't. So, but it is essentially a bill with a number of fives on it. Yes, there's, besides the border, there's... Four, like there's five, a massive... Six of them. It's like a massive bill. A shorter bill, but a massive bill. Yeah, it, there's a... I, there's Germana, like a young, young, young Germana on it. with Who's the, the German representation <laughs> goddess, similar to Britannia for the British? Yes. Ah. And what else do you have on the There's bill? a five underneath her on the right, and then a smaller five to the left with a, the German eagle in the upper left corner. Same eagle design. Yes. And it's 23 notes. I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward. And um, what do you have on the back of the note? Just simply five mark, etc. I mean, nothing spectacular. Yeah, nothing spectacular, but there is still a blue and green five border around it. Hmm. And actually, that's pretty nice, because, folks, a lot of the German notes we've had, especially, like, the World War II-style <laughs> notes. Christina, you okay? Yes. <laughs> I had to clear your throat a little bit. And there's actually, if you hold it to the light, there's a cool swirling watermark. Yeah, interesting. That is actually very interesting, because you can see the, like, I'm trying to figure out if there's an actual pattern, but you can actually see swirls within the paper. Interesting. It's it, a neat counterfeiting measure. It may have also been... been um, potential of the paper used, the yeah. cloth being used, or the, the pulp being used in it. Um, but, again, I had to get this note uh, for a World War One note, so now I have at least a World War One note, a stack of World War Two notes as well. Interesting. Very yes. interesting. Alright, what's your next bill? I'll let you also handle the Armenian drum note as well, so I'll put that to the side. Alright, um, with, um, we actually only have the three notes left to go. We have the this was the 1917 100 mark note. <laughs> really? I thought it was 1908 or 1910. 1908. I just ah. Yeah, in 08. Okay. February 7th. 1908? Yes. Okay. 100 mark note? Yes. Do you have the German Eagle on it? Twice. Okay, so you have two German Eagle on it, and they're the same Eagle design, I assume. Yes, they're in the upper, uh, upper and lower right corners on mm -hmm. the one side. Ah. And it has an ornate 100 on the left side. Mm-hmm. And it says, Reichsbank note, 
Lenbunderdorf. Lenbunderdorf. You have horrible German skills. I know I do. You I have never horrible Spanish it. skills, too. Hey. We do. Not you. We. Yes. We. And you'll, you'll catch that also on the Cologne video. Everybody should check the it out. No, no, no. Can't say Cologne. The Cologne yes. video. So, <laughs> yeah. So. But um, on the front, uh, on the... On the side that I'm looking at, um, it actually has a faint eagle. Mm-hmm. Like it's a multi-tone blue note. Ah. And it's a the eagle uh, with the wings spread is uh, faint behind all the words. And there's a, um, there's actually a crown hanging over the eagle. Interesting. That's the first time we've seen it's it. It's a like German that. style crown, though. It's not like yes. a British style crown. And, and you'll then, see, I don't want I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. But then on the other side, it's very simple, but yet elegant. Because they have both Enyo and Ceres on it with Germana in the middle. I see. They're holding up like a portrait of her. So this is interesting because I wanted, I wanted to talk about this a little bit more. Because we talked about it a little bit with the Russian note and also with the Canadian too. They're always pictured slightly differently. You have multiple nationalities, multiple banks, multiple issuing entities. Um, but they all tend to represent the same messaging. Right? Yes. In terms of the, in terms of the, the mythical figures they they portray, they portray or they depict. Yes, you can actually see the sickle on Ceres and the uh, war helmet and hammer for Enyo. Mm. And then also with Ceres, there's a big pile of wheat with some fruit mm. over in the corner. I see. And then they're holding up a round portrait of Germana just looking straight at you. Eyes cold, <laughs> like emotionless picture of Germana. Interesting. All right. So do you want to do the drum note? Yes. The Armenian drum note from 2004, the Christ note, as we're calling it. And it looks like, um... It looks like it's a number of pinks. It's a pink color. Yeah, it's like pink and cream. Ah. It is a definitely... It's, it's a thicker paper, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a weird feeling paper. So we thought at first, folks, this was a polymer note, and we're looking to get polymer notes moving forward. There are some commemoratives from Canada that we're looking to get. Um, but this is a thick... Basically, as Christina said, a thicker... Uh, papered note, but it depicts Christ's baptism by John the Baptist along with his crucifixion on the yeah. same note. Yeah, right behind the same imagery. And that's why we actually picked up these notes. Uh, Moldova also has depictions of Christ on banknotes as well. Uh, as, as well as other, other uh, nation, national currencies, they, they do depict uh, Christ on notes, especially if they're, they're heavy Christian or Orthodox countries. So we had to get these notes simply because they were interesting. And I was going to say, one thing I noticed that was different... Mm-hmm. About these notes, is they only have the cereal on one side. They're not on both sides. No, not cereal's not on both sides. Yeah, interesting. So I have a bag of notes here. Yes. Are there any other notes from this bag of notes you want to go through? There's only one because we already went over the other. Ah, I see. So there's another bag of notes. I think it's the thousand mark note. Yes. From 1908. Yes. And it again has Ceres mm-hmm. and Enyo, and they're actually posed around a shield. Of the eagle, bearing the shield of the eagle. It's like you take a picture of yourself in a mirror, with a mm-hmm. mirror behind you, mm-hmm. with how it cascades backwards. Uh, so it's like front, back, front. Yes, and that's how it actually cascades on the center so of the moon. So it's a, it's a shield with a reflective yes. on the shield. And Interesting. The, the cool part is with the border here, mm-hmm. it has a little thousand in the center, and then a little like banner that says mark, and then another little thousand coin, and then mark Interesting. the banner. The whole way around. And by the way, with all due respect, folks, I'm actually looking at a, an alternate note that Christina already went over, the 100-mark note, I believe. Yes. And it smells like an attic. It smells like a basement. I mean, it, it, these notes not only feel old, but they smell old. And that's, it's kind of like if you opened a new book 
you know that crispiness in pages if it's a paper book yeah like an old old book since we do everything digital now it's kind of hard to find you know people who are enthusiastic about paper oriented books but we do open like a new book or that new car smell it's like the old money smell i don't it's kind of like when you feel that paper or when you smell it it's like ah that's history in your hands yes that's the coolest part so, are we out on bills? This is the last one. And what? I uh, mean, the back of it's pretty plain. It has a lot of, or- it has orange stamps on Like, the cereal of the bill is in orange. Mm-hmm. On the reverse side, there's two eagles stamped in orange on it. Mm-hmm. And this was made in April, on April 21st, 1910. Wow, because it's a 1910 note, not a 1908 note. Yeah, 1910. It might be part of the series, like we have with the Black Eagle note, which that review is coming soon. Yes. We have a bill series, not actually when it was printed. Right. So, all right, folks. All right, we're going to wrap up the, uh, the, the currency finds. I'll also talk about this Honduran fair trade coffee. So I'll talk about that really quickly, then we'll also talk about where you can find out more about us, go through the YouTube video again in terms of the drops, and also you'll be able to check out the audio of all of the current YouTube videos at the tail end of the episode, with the exception of the $5 note from the Valley Bank of Maryland, from Hagerstown, Maryland. Go check that out on YouTube. It's also easy, easily accessed on our website. Yes. Again, if you go to FugleSnobs.com, look in the right-hand widget section, you'll find a channel widget, and you can view all of the videos right within uh, the confines of FugleSnobs.com. And again, subscribe while you're out there and subscribe to the podcast. So let's talk about the Hunter and Fair Trade Coffee, then we'll call it a wrap. Yes. So, <clears throat> Christine, you picked up this coffee for me. At a local grocery store, Aldi. Yes. Yes. So I've heard about fair trade stuff before. Essentially what fair trade means, and you'll, you'll see it with vegetables too, like fair trade tomatoes, fair trade coffee. But fair trade is essentially, and you see it with chocolate too, fair trade is essentially uh, products that have been uh, basically acquired or purchased for resale by a company, but the workers who uh, source the product are, pa- are paid a fair price. And you see... Um, in recent years, a lot of agricultural workers, especially here in the United States, have been basically jilted a bit, right? So for every bushel, for example, of tomatoes you pick, you might make a quarter, right? Or 50 cents. And that's ridiculous, especially out in the hot sun. And how long does it take you to pick a bushel? That's the whole... Exactly. You know, and that's... And so the Fair Trade Act and the Fair Trade uh, Commission, etc., was formed to deal with this problem. So this coffee that I'm drinking, folks, I have a good conscience knowing that it was paid for with a fair price. So this is Honduran Fair Trade Coffee. It's really good. Um, I'm not going to give it a, a snob rating if I had to. It'd probably be a four to four and a half. It's a nice morning style blend. It's not too strong. Uh, so you don't have these the, the thicker, deeper blends like you do in European blends of coffee. Not bad at all. I drank a cup of it while we were doing uh, the reviews and also throughout the podcast. So it's not bad Fair Trade Coffee from Honduras. If you can get your hands on any Fair Trade Coffee, please do so. Or any Fair Trade chocolate or, or other agricultural goods, you're definitely doing a good thing. And you're also helping some people out that actually perform the labor. So, all right. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on this episode? I think we're good because we had so many bills to cover. Yes, we did. And we're also looking for more, folks. Also, one last thing. Now, we are looking for commemoratives as well. So we're looking for a $20 note from Canada that was actually issued this year, which commemorates... uh, Actually, I believe it was 2015. I take that back. In 2015, it was issued. And we'll talk about the, the issue this year in Canada. But... In 2015, I believe March of 2015, a bill was issued, a $20 note, which commemorates Elizabeth II's uh, basically ascension to the longest reigning British monarch in 2015. So the other commemorative we're looking for, and it will be issued starting on June 1st, 2017, is the 150th anniversary of the Confederation of Canada note as well. So we're looking forward to that. Both of these notes, folks, are also polymer 
So they're commemoratives, but they'll last a while because they're made of polymer, basically plastic. Yes. They're essentially industrial plastic. So it's very interesting. We're also looking at the commemorative, I wouldn't, well, I shouldn't say commemorative, I should say the, the uh, current five-pound notes from the United Kingdom, which are also polymer. Yes. So those are very interesting. We're looking for those as well, hopefully uncirculated. And even if they were circulated, if they're plastic, how could you really tell? Exactly. Right? So pretty cool. So, all right, you want to wrap this up? Yes, I think we're good to go. All right, everybody, stick around for the podcast extras again for the audio uh, reviews for a number of notes. Uh, and check out the videos on YouTube if you want to see what we're talking about. Make sure you subscribe at YouTube. Keep listening to the Frugal Snobs podcast. Be well, never pay retail, and we'll basically catch everybody down the road with episode 95. Hey everybody, what's up YouTube? Justin from FrugalSnobs.com. Brock's team with me, say hello. Hello. We have another currency review video. This time it is the 1917 one colon, or cologne note from Costa Rica. I always want to say <laughs> colon. But it is the one cologne note from Costa Rica dated June 23rd, 1917. So this is a really cool bill. We picked up this bill uh, just simply because of the, the ornateness to this bill. And what you'll see on the front, it's a very similar layout to a, a U.S. dollar or a U.S. dollar uh, banknote, what you'll see uh, featured on the note is a number of colors. So it's a very colorful bill, would you say? I would say that because, I mean, when you look at each side, it kind of mirrors itself with, they have a fi the figurehead in the center, and then it has one on each side, yep. decent size, and then after that, there's actually a ribbon, if you go around it, it is green, blue, green, blue, green, blue, green, but then in the center of that is a red. Mm -hmm. So it's a very colorful bill, and that's how they did their anti-counterfeiting. Yep. So also on, on the note, predominantly in the center, the figurehead, we'll call him the president, or it says on the note, El Presidente! I've always wanted to say that. So, all right, so also in 1917, there was a military coup in Costa Rica, and Frederico Tinoco Granados, wow, I got that out. Yes. That's really cool. So he took, basically seized power in a military coup in 1917, producing a, in a presidential election in 1917 with one candidate. The thing is, he got over 62,000 votes, obviously, but yet, for some odd reason, there was 263 invalid or uncast votes. Interesting. You were thinking with a military coup, everyone would be required to vote who has a voting age. Anyway, we're not, not to give a, co a history of Costa Rica, but that is at least the front of the note. Anything else you want to talk about on the front of the note? No, we're good there because it's, as we pretty much described it, I mean, it says, El Bango Anglo Costa Ricense. Mm -hmm. Costa Ricense. <laughs> Sorry, when I, I hear sense, folks, I think martial arts. Uh, <laughs> again, everybody, hate to say it. White people Spanish. <laughs> Sorry. So, all right. So, again, that is the front of the note. Let's check out the back. On the back, we actually have Mercury. Interesting. Yes. He's oh. sitting on something similar to a vice, like one of the old mechanical vices. Right. Almost like an, like an open vice. Yes. Interesting. Almost used almost like a throne. But that that's interesting. I mean, you do see more of the, the, the mythical figures on notes. We see it quite a bit on the Canadian notes as well from the 1930s. But yet he has... Fur in between him and the mechanical vice. Interesting. Well, he has to have a, a padding to sit on. I mean, you can't sit on all that, that really difficult metal. Considering Mercury's naked. That's, oh, okay. That's a racy bill then. Yes, <laughs> okay, but you don't so, see anything. That's right. This bill comes with a, per, a parental advisory. <laughs> Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> so, all right. So anything else on the back of the bill you want to talk about? Any patterns? Any, uh, any unique colors? Any features? On, on the back, it's just dominantly green. On the top, it says un colon. No, no, no. Un colon. You got <laughs> to say it like that. And that's on top of Mercury. And below Mercury, it says, Bango Anglo Costa Yep. 
Also, the Cologne, by the way, is named for Christopher Columbus. Yes. So see, other Cologne builds also in Central America, including in El Salvador, also named after Jesus being the Savior, so to speak, or Jesus Christ. So again, not a, not a religious video here, folks. But again, that is the one Cologne note from Costa Rica, 1917. Really cool bill. Uh, if you'd like to check out any of the other videos, please do check them out here on YouTube. Also, be sure to subscribe so you'll be able to check out all of our videos here on the YouTube channel. And also, be sure to check out the Frugal Snobs podcast. You can find out more info on frugalsnobs.com. Also, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and a number of different outlets. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast, folks, and check out the other videos here on YouTube. And don't forget, definitely subscribe. Be well, never pay your retail, and take care, everyone. Hey everybody, this is Justin from FrugalSnobs.com, and we brought yet another currency review video. Brock, Christina, with me, say hello. Hello. So today, we are taking a look at the 1963 Bank of England 10-shilling note. Now, this note is pretty cool. A couple of cool things happened in history. Christina, who released their first album in 1963? The Beatles. The Beatles. I don't like the Beatles, <laughs> but the Beatles released their first album in 1963. And it was called Please Please Me. I see. Hmm. Okay, also in 1963, uh, Doctor Who, first uh, episode of season one was released. Yes, the very first episode. First episode, first season in 1963. So let's go ahead and talk about this note. On the front, you have Britannia, yes. who, who is essentially a female representation, almost a goddess figure, I guess, um, or a, a, a mythic figure which represents Britain and the British Isles and the culture of Britain. And you'll see Britannia on a number of notes. You'll also see her on the Dominion of Canada notes and several other notes uh, throughout history. But you see Britannia on this note. You also see a very young-looking Queen Elizabeth II. Yes. Also on this note. And the thing is with Britannia, she's, it's a very small portrait of her. It actually takes up the T whenever it says 10 shilling. Ah, so it's in the, it takes up the T of the 10 shilling? Yes, it's right behind it. All right. And also, Christina, you also noticed a couple of really cool security features in this note, a black line. Yes. If you hold it to the light. You'll see a black line that is basically uh, a vertical line, I believe. Yes. It goes between, um, on the top it says Bank of England. It goes between the L and the A of England and right through the G of 10 shillings. Right. So this is really cool because you see more security features being introduced into banknotes over time. And this is uh, just a, basically a, a first run at some of these new security features that are invisible to the naked eye, but are only available when you hold the note up in the light uh, from the Bank of England. Also, as a security feature, we believe, Christine also noticed when she held the bill to the light, she saw a small image of Britannia. Actually, it takes up about an eighth, one whole column, and it is actually a, uh, the paper, it's like the paper thins in her image of Britannia. Ah, uh, so it's not visible to the naked eye, but when you hold it to the light, you see this imposed image basically yes, within of her the... head and it just repeats down the bill interesting within the confines of the bill yes so that is the front of the bill is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of the front of the bill on the front of the bill we're good to go because it's i mean the bill itself is a maroon and cream color mm -hmm. it's very so i say dual tone it's not no no real fancy colors right so nothing ornate yes so no ornate what we believe no ornate inks no ornate patterns but you do have those security features which also, were introduced for anti-counterfeiting. So, yes. let's take a look at the back. All right. So, on the back of the note, you do see Britannia once again. Yes, and it's actually the dominant thing on the back of the bill. Right, so the dominant image on the on the reverse of the bill is Britannia. So, like we said, folks, um, these bills are very unique in that you don't see Britannia much on banknotes. And this is also a 10 shilling, 
which at the time would have been about a half pound. Yes. Bill. So obviously you have a, a one pound British note, but you also have the 10 shilling note. Now shillings were, I believe, discontinued in 1970. I yes. Believe. So this is unique in that it is essentially the equivalent of a half pound or one 20th of a pound being a shilling or 12 pence. Now I'm not really sure if that's the greater of the two, but we'll go ahead and take the one 20th uh, ratio here. So again, 10 20ths is one half, so half a pound. So, all right, you want to say anything else about this bill, or should we wrap it up? I think we're good. I mean, there's nothing too, too fancy. I mean, there's a lot of uh, patterns on the back, but only Britannia sticks out on the back. All right, folks. So I hope everybody enjoyed the video. If everyone likes what they're hearing here on YouTube, please do check out the Frugal Snells podcast. Again, you can subscribe all over the web, Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Auto Radio. There's a number of outlets for the Frugal Snells podcast, so please do go check out the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, listen to the show, everybody. You'll learn quite a few things. And also, just follow the Frugal Snobs. Also, don't forget to subscribe here on YouTube. Be well, never pay retail. Take care, everyone.